You're listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray the message will encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now, let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you all this morning. I'm honored to bring the Word of God to you today. And, well, I'm going to tell you, I am uh, excited to finish this series. It has been an effective series. Uh, I have had a lot of positive feedback. The series is no offense. No offense. We've talked about how you navigate life in a society uh, that is so overly offendable. Uh, Have you noticed this? It seems like if you say anything, somebody's going to be offended. And so uh, this series has been about how do we navigate life in a world that's full of offense. And, and how, if it's preventable, uh, and if it's not preventable, how can we go about living our life so wide open that people know that our heart is for them, not against them, even if the words we say uh, aren't what they want from us. So we, we've talked about quite a bit in this series. Today, I wanted to wrap this up. Uh, and to be quite honest, I left room uh, in my writing. Uh, lately, I've been doing some unique writing Um, And I left room for the Holy Spirit to finish this series. Um, And the way that works is, is I write as the Lord leads me. And uh, coming into last weekend, I did not have a clue how I was going to wrap this series up. I've learned to trust the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've learned to rely on Him. Uh, I've learned that it's a synergy that... Uh, he needs my voice, and I need his inspiration. And so uh, I've learned to trust him that, uh, that he will never send me up here without fresh revelation from his word. And, and so it's a powerful thing today. I want to talk to you about the greatest offense, the greatest offense. I believe it is the greatest weapon of the enemy, the greatest weapon of the wicked one. And that offense is called church hurt. What do you do when the place of refuge becomes a place of pain? What are we supposed to do when the place that was supposed to bring healing was a place that the wound was inflicted? How do we move forward? There's another piece to this puzzle. How do we at Hope City allow God to use us in such a way that we don't become a place of pain for others? How do we posture our heart as believers that we stay so open before the Lord that the enemy can't even get a foothold in how we serve others? Church, I'm gonna tell you, there is a clear battle plan in God's word that he shows us in 1 Samuel chapter two. Uh, We're gonna dig into that in just a minute. But I want you to understand that it is both a spiritual, but also a conscious effort to be a place of healing and not hurt. It is something that we have to be alert to, but it is also something that we have to be submitted to, to be a place of healing and not hurt. So today I want to show you that the devil's been doing this trick, this church hurt, since the first church was created. 
I say this all the time, but you know the devil doesn't have any new tricks. But, but he's really good at them. He's been doing them for thousands and thousands of years. So it's up to us, though, to go to the Word of God and see how God dealt with them and then to come in line with the wisdom of God. And so today I want to come to you from 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I'm going to read starting around verse 12, and I'll skip a few verses, but roughly it's going to be verse 12 through around verse 30, and, and, and I'll, I'll lead you through as I'm reading. Uh, but it's talking about the sons of Eli who served in the house of God. The sons of Eli who served in the house of God, Phineas and Hophni, uh, or as Nora called it, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb. We're going to start reading in verse 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Now we can stop right there. Can I tell you that just because somebody has been given access to a microphone and a stage does not give them the access of leadership. You need to govern and steward yourselves safely in this. I kind of started this sermon last week when I said just because somebody has a gift does not mean they have character. This is one of the main reasons why I teach this is because I want you to understand that just because somebody stumbled onto a microphone does not a leader make. Church, we have to guard our homes. A lot of the mistakes that I've seen made is because we have led our family to serve under somebody who was incredibly gifted but had no character. And I want you to see that character is such an integral part of leadership that to have just gifting and no character is like having an egg shell but no yolk. There's no nourishment. It may look like an egg, but it cannot sustain you. And it will leave you wanting. I've seen it in churches where a pastor just had a desire to be seen before people. Where they had a desire to feed their ego more than feed the sheep. Can I tell you, if a shepherd ever exalts himself above the sheep, he has made the drastic mistake of leadership. A shepherd's job is to lay himself down for the sheep. Christ being the blueprint of all leadership crawled up on a cross to be humiliated before man for his sheep. And now we have pastors that won't even take the time to come shake your hand. Can I tell you there's something wrong with that? When you have exalted yourself above the sheep, See, I had the blessing of growing up a lot of my summers on a ranch. And to be a rancher, you've got to be amongst the cows. Because I've got to know what's going on. I can't see the infection in one of the cows from inside the house. I had to be amongst the cows to say, hey, there's an infection 
and number 37 that we need to get some medicine into. We need some special attention in this one cow because something has happened in that cow's uh, bloodstream that's got infected. Now we have to go and minister specifically to that cow. How can a person call themselves a shepherd and not know the condition of the sheep? Church, I need you to understand that this is the beginning, the beginning of pride that you have to keep out of yourself as leadership. Can I tell you, if I could just open myself up today for you to read my greatest fear as a leader is that pride sets in and I don't see it. It's what I pray about all the time. Because I've seen men that I've esteemed much greater than myself fall for that trick. And pride sets in and now they project themselves in a position that separates them from who God's called them to love and minister to. And that's the first step in injuring the sheep is when you say you will get different care than I get. You will be treated differently than I'm treated. Shaking hands is okay for the masses, but I'm going to reserve myself. Can I tell you that's not God's way? Yes, there are times that we should draw away for restoration, but I don't see Jesus hiding from the masses. I see him going and laying his hands on the sick by the thousands. It says that he ministered and he healed them all. Sure, from time to time, you've got to be quiet and away and be restored. But that has nothing to do with Sunday mornings when you're called to minister to people. Why do we run from people we're called to love and minister to? Pride, pride. The Bible gives us clarity that that pride and a haughty spirit come before devastation. And here's the scary part. The devastation isn't always to the shepherd. We think pride comes before the fall. The pride in your life could come before the fall of somebody you love. Do you realize the pride in my life could lead to your pain? I am accountable to you. I am accountable for you. That's leadership. That's loving people. That's the first step of leadership is loving people. And yet we have a a group of leaders that are working their way up the ranks right now that think my only job is to get up here and, and orate the scripture. But the truth is, if you call yourself a pastor, your job is to go and lead the sheep from amongst the sheep. Now, if you're not doing that, call yourself something else. You can call yourself a teacher and I'm fine with that, but a pastor, no, sir. No, sir. A pastor is a shepherd who will be found amongst the sheep. It's been my experience that people are injured in church because of a lack of good leadership. 
They're injured. Injured. I see people all the time that we may never get another chance to love them well because some other pastor had too much pride. Breaks my heart. We see a picture of this in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It says they did not know the Lord. We'll continue reading. It says, and the priests custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So here's your picture. Here's your picture. When you would bring a sacrifice to the temple, a certain amount of that would cook off. The fat, if you've ever uh, grilled hamburgers, you know the best hamburgers are like 27% fat and the rest meat, right? That's like the quintessential burger. Well, a lot of that fat cooks off and turns into the drippings, right? Which, have you ever had a burger that was perfectly juicy to where it like soaked through the bun and it's just like, gosh, like that's the perfect situation. So the fat that would render off, that 10% that would render off, they would say, that's the fat. It belongs to God. As it would melt off the meat, it would turn into this incense. And oh, have you ever smelled meat grilling? And it just, gosh, go sitting by pounders about 11 a.m. And just, oh, it's the horrible place to be when you're trying to diet. Oh, it'll lure you in, right? The smell of that meat, it's the, it's the fat that's rendering on the grill. They would say that's God's portion because literally it would render and smoke would rise to the heavens. And the priest then once rendered would take a, a we would call it a gig, a three-pronged fork, and I could preach on something that comes in threes if I really had time, and how if something that comes in threes doesn't penetrate your heart, how you can never truly be sold out. I could go there if I wanted, but for the sake of time, I'm going to keep straight on what I'm talking about today. So a three-pronged pork, uh, fork just mm, into the meat, and they would pick up a piece of the meat, and whatever came out from the chunk of meat onto the fork. God said, priest, that's your blessing. That's your blessing. Because God was in the business of blessing everybody. God's not just in it for himself. Aren't you glad we have a God that cares about us? So they would reach into this pot. The priest would take for himself all that the flesh brought up. We're going to keep reading. It says, so they did in Silo to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires they would then answer him, no, you must give it now. And if not, we'll take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. 
For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Let me paint the picture for you. You would bring your offering to the altar and they would set it on fire. They would boil it. They would grill it. They would, you name it. And they would find men who had prepared the meat for the altar and they would go to them and they would say, give us the meat. They would say, that's, that's, that's not the way we do things. Because if you take the meat before I've offered the fat to God, you have, you have positioned yourself to get yours before God's. And the scripture says from the beginning of time that the first fruit is God's. So we see the pride in the sons of Eli, Phineas and Hophni. They position themselves above God by saying, we'll take meat when we want to take it and we'll take the portion we want to take. And even men who were lower than them, now think about this. They were the priests. They were serving at the temple and common men were saying, something's not right here. Can I tell you, it's okay to not be a pastor, to sit in a church and say, something's off. And if leadership doesn't listen, if they're too prideful to listen to everyone, that's a problem. Amen. You should be able to confront your leadership. If there's too much pride in me to hear you, go somewhere else and save yourself. They would come to make their offering and Phineas and Hophni would say, give us the meat before you cook it. And these men would say, but that's, that's sacred unto God. And they would say, are you challenging me spiritually? You will give me what I asked for or we'll take it by force. Can I tell you that sort of pride has to be checked. That sort of leadership cannot be allowed to serve in God's house. But I do see it. I do see it. We saw it all through the 80s with these, these giant pastors online and they were fattening themselves before they were even taking care of the needs of God's people. Living in multi-million dollar homes, which hear me, there's nothing wrong. I want you to be blessed. But can I tell you, if you are more invested in this temporal life than you are the eternal life, you need to get things settled. I see it all too often in churches that a pastor will prioritize himself before he'll prioritize the needs of the sheep. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Let's keep reading. Jump to verse 22. It says, now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all of Israel and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Hang on now. Hang on. You mean to tell me that a pastor's pride can cause him not even to mess up financially, but he can mess up morally too? 
Does this ring a bell for anybody in here? Have you ever heard of a pastor with a moral failing? Of course you have. Sure, we've heard of that. Because the devil's been doing the same tricks for thousands of years. He begins to play on our minds and tell us that your needs are more important than the needs of your family. He plays on our minds and tells us that what you need needs to be exalted above even the needs of your natural and nuclear family. Can I tell you, it's a lie from the pit of hell and pastors are falling for it. My scripture tells me that he's looking for a church without spot or blemish. He's looking to pour out the best of heaven, but he's got to find vessels that are willing and able to hold his glory. God is a jealous God in that he will not pour out his purity into unclean vessels. Church, my prayer is that for our team, that for our leadership, for our small group leaders, that, that, that people who say, God's called me to lead in the church, that our first priority is submission to God. Because when you're fully submitted to him, you are giving yourself daily over to the scripture and to the molding of the word of God. You see, that's where pride steps in. Pride steps in and says, you don't need to read that anymore. You've got this. And so you begin to evolve without the molding of God. And you turn into this deformity of leadership, but not godliness. And it begins to turn into this idol to pride. And ultimately, it leads to the devastation of a people. They weren't just taking the best of the offerings. They were laying with the women of the church. This grieved the heart of God. Can I tell you that leads to church hurt? And it all starts with pride. It is true, pride comes before fall, but church, it might not be your fall. Yes, truth will always find you out. But getting yourself on the straight and narrow sometimes comes after you've caused devastation in others. And they may not find their way back, even though you do. We must live a life accountable to the scripture. Can I... Can I ask a favor of you? If you see pride in me, will you check me? If you see selfishness in me, would you check me? I am not above failure. Anybody who says they are, they've already committed the sin of pride. My desire is to run a good race. My desire is to finish strong. My desire is to serve each and every one of you well. But to do that, 
I've got to stay above reproach. And can I tell you, you have access to me. If you see something in me, please say something. You see, just because I have pastor on my business card does not secure my eternity. My ticket ain't punched until my last breath is breathed. If you see something, come to me. I ask that you do it in love, but I ask that you do it urgently. There's too many people watching. This little church that was a, a figment of the imagination of God just six months ago. It's now a people of over 700 people. And the enemy is trying to use his same tricks to hurt people today that were hurting them in 1 Samuel. Thousands of years ago, these tricks are still at play. No man is above it. No woman is above it. To live a life fully submitted to God and submitted to the sheep that God's entrusted to you. That's what this whole thing is about. If we do that, then we take steps in the right direction. Not saying we can guarantee a prevented church hurt, but it at least puts us in the right arena. It puts us in the right direction. Verse 27 says, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And Eli, why do you honor your sons more than me? to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. I give you 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, which is our second clue of church hurt. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but is of the world. We see all three of these at work in the sons of Eli. The lust of the flesh, it's literally this. It's the wicked desire for physical or emotional needs. It's the wicked desire for physical or emotional needs. It's when your physical appetite is fed more than your spiritual appetite. How do you break the curse of the lust of the flesh? You begin to feed yourself spiritually more than you give into the cravings of the flesh. an unhealthy and ungodly affection for impure relationships. It really is the anti-fruit of the Spirit. 
It's a lack of self-control. Next, after lust of the flesh, the next trick of the enemy is the lust of the eyes. This is a sinful desire to have things and ill-gotten gain. Now, understand this. You can have a holy desire to have things. But this, the lust of the eyes, says, I look at something and I will get it at all costs, even if it means I trample on God's commands. I believe God wants to bless you. And here's why I believe that. I believe God wants to bless you because he wants to use you to bless other people. I believe that if we do it the right way and we look at scripture, it says it's better to give than to receive. How can I give if I have nothing? God wants you to be blessed so that you in turn can go and meet the needs of other people and represent the goodness of God in the lives of other people. But this is a picture of selfishness. The lust of the eyes is a picture of acquiring just for yourself to hoard up so that you can look like something different in front of other people. And it leads to the third hook, which is the pride of life. It's anything that is of this world, meaning anything that leads to arrogance, ostentation, pride in self, presumption, and boasting. While I was praying this week, I said, Lord, I said, give me insight into these things. I I need to have understanding. And it doesn't come all at first. I sit and I meditate when I ask for something. That's That's a tool you should learn. When you pray and you seek God, it's not enough just to make a request. Then you have to be silent, meditate, listen. And God told me the pride of life sets in when you don't know God well enough for him to be enough. I said, wait a second. So by knowing you enough, I'll know that you're more than enough. Remember last week I talked about nature, understanding something's nature. When you understand God's nature, you understand that he is more than you will ever need. And when you truly grab hold of him and all his loving kindness, all your needs are supplied according to his riches and glory. Here's the beautiful part about it, is when you get a hold of God, the the, the scripture says that he'll give you the desires of your heart. But people think that he will meet the desire that you had in your heart. No, baby, it's even better. He will evolve what you desire to match what he overflows in. And so now when you're holding him, and it may seem like from time to time it's all you have, but just holding him, you just feel so complete. Even if the bank account doesn't show what it needs to show, even if the marriage doesn't look like it's supposed to look, even when the kids aren't responding to Jesus, even when all hell seems to be breaking loose in a life that proclaims heaven, everything's all right. 
because you've laid hold of the God that is more than enough. And so when people come to me and they struggle with pride, I just tell them your first mistake is thinking that it's your job to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. It's not on you to do it. You see, everything you need has already been accomplished at Calvary. Your health is a finished work. Your blessing is a finished work. Your restoration spiritually was accomplished by the first drop of blood Jesus shed. Church, can I tell you, everything that you really need is in him. Don't let the devil exalt your pride to a place to where you think you can become something greater than what he has already accomplished. It's the pride of life. Can I tell you there's some warning signs I want you to watch out for? Prideful leadership will not tolerate questioning. Prideful leadership surrounds themselves with people who will not challenge. Prideful leadership will not make the time for you. Church, can I tell you, prideful leadership is one of the scariest things in the church today because of what it does. It creates injuries all over the place and the sheep are injured and some of the sheep leave the flock, and they never return. And they're forced to live the rest of their life here, limping, injured, because of prideful leadership that would not address the pain of the sheep. Can I tell you, every leader will be held accountable for the sheep. Can I tell you, I I thoroughly believe this that if we truly knew the cost of leadership, there'd be so fewer leaders. Man, when you start taking into consideration that people's eternity and their vision of God hangs in the balance with how you represent him, man, that's heavy stuff. You gotta get up every day and humble yourself before God. Can I tell you, I beg God to wring pride out of me because I've seen its damaging effect. I've seen the sheep walking around destroyed and devastated because a man of God exalted himself above the work of God. I pray it never comes to Hope City. Will you pray that with me? So how do you overcome church hurt? How many of you, if we were just doing a show of hands, you've been hurting the church? How do we deal with it? How do we manage it? Did you see see who else had their hand up? Right here. You know, I ran from this calling for 17 years because of a church hurt. 17 years I ran because I said, I won't take part in that foolishness. I will not be a part of injuring sheep. I was hurt. How do, I, how do we recover? 
How do we keep moving forward? How do we trust God when we can't trust man? First, no matter what happens or where it happened, don't let church hurt cause you to drift away from God. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you only hear one thing I get for you today, hear this. God did not hurt you, man hurt you. God did not hurt you. His creation did. And in the same way, I can't hold him accountable for my pain. I also can't prevent it from making me run to him when I'm hurt. You see, when we posture our minds that God hurt us, that's the sickest trick of the devil because it prevents us from running to the one place that can heal us. Psalms 50 verse 15 says, call on me in the day of trouble. God did not hurt you, an imperfect person did. Number two, extend grace to your spiritual leaders. See this right here? That stings. Look at that. Just turn it red. It's almost as if that's flesh. Put a little too much stank on that one. Flesh. Imperfect flesh. Not God. Man. I will blow it today. Hear me. I will make a mistake today. I say it all the time, and I need you to hear this. Every time I say it, I am the chief sinner amongst you. I will mess up today more times than you can count. Here's why I need you to understand that. Because you need grace. My God, I need grace. And for me to be the leader that God's called me to be, I need grace from you. I need you to pray for me. I am very capable of missing a phone call. I'm very capable of missing an email or not being able to reply to a text within 30 seconds. I'm capable of being human. I can't, I, I've tried to crucify this thing every day for the past several years and I've yet to perfect it. I'm trying, but I beg you to extend grace to your spiritual leaders. And can I take that a step further? Not just your current spiritual leaders, even the imperfect ones of the past. Number three, stop judging every church because of one bad experience. Can you imagine if we treated the rest of our life how we treated church? I talk to people all the time. They say, Pastor, I don't go to church no more. Why? 
I was hurt in church. Okay, did a woman ever hurt you? Well, sure. You married? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. So a woman hurts you, and you tried again, but your eternity's in jeopardy, and you won't push through? What? You have just revealed the purpose of church hurt. We are revealing the plans of the wicked one. See, he will use this hurt to prevent you from running back to the place of your safety. So you stay out there all alone for him to tag at will. Anytime he wants to attack you, now he's got you all alone because you're not doing community with other believers now. Man, this is good preaching today. I don't know. Number four, bring issues to the church's attention. Ephesians 4, 15 says, speak the truth in love. If there is a problem in the house, bring it to leadership's attention. Bring it to our attention. If you see, I can't tell you how many times I don't see people for weeks and I'll brush into them at the store and they say, well, I don't want to bother you. I know you're busy. You know what? You know what? That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. You weren't thinking about me being busy. You was thinking about you not having a hard conversation. And if you want this church to be successful, if you love the people of God, you need to be willing to have hard conversations. Can I tell you, people are going to make mistakes. Just let your mind go crazy for a minute and just think, is this a, a, a house full of perfect people or is this a, 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 a emergency room for the dead and dying spiritually? You're going to come across imperfect people in God's house and they're going to do some crazy stuff to you sometimes. When you see it, say something. Don't run from it. Because guess what? When you don't say something, that pain is out there hunting other people. And I can't stop it. You can't stop it until you say something about it. Amen. Listen, Hope City's not a perfect church, but we try to limit the crazy as much as we can. <laughs> no, I'm serious. There's churches let anything go. You got a shepherd in this church. When you see a sheep getting out of line, you come talk to me. I will lovingly go to that person and say, you may not realize what's happening, but you're causing damage to the other sheep. You got to, you got to chill, chill, relax, do something, but you got to stop. Can I tell you, this is eternity we're playing with. This is eternity. The devil plays for keeps. And if he can keep you hurt, he can keep you weak, keep you wounded. That's the way he wants to play all the time. Number five, and this is a hard one. It's a hard one. And do not look at your neighbor left or right when I say it. Resist the temptation to slander and gossip. When you are church hurt, I'm talking about you have exposed your soul for healing and somebody threw a dagger. It is so easy to throw that church under the bus. Every chance you got. Boy, that church, I'm sorry, so-and-so's across town. Boom, throw them under the bus. That pastor don't care about nobody. Boom, under the bus, right? Then people over there won't even shake my hand. Oh, boom, under the bus. They're imperfect. They make mistakes. 
could it be, just, just could it be that it just wasn't the right fit for you? Could it be? Number six, forgive. Forgive. Now, I want to say this, because I know people will go home and say, well, you, Pastor, you don't know what happened to me. Things happened that were beyond forgiving. Can I tell you, if there is something criminal happening, call the law. Amen. Call the police. We do not protect criminals in God's house. You understand me? If somebody's breaking the law, I'll be the first one to grab a neck and drag them downtown. You hear me? We're not going to tolerate no foolishness in God's house. But when somebody has done something that you can even create a scenario that might have been a mistake, lend them forgiveness. Give them forgiveness. Here's why. Unforgiveness is a prison made for one, and baby, you're locked up. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize you were the captive all along. You've got to forgive. You have got to forgive. Well, how do I know I have forgiven? When you can pray for them. You want to forgive somebody, just start praying for them. Father, I pray for that church. I know what happened. I know it wasn't for my good. I know some bad things happened, but Father, I pray that you would give them the truth. Shine a light in that dark place and let them realize, Lord, that what they're doing is injuring people. But Lord, I pray you'd fill that church to overflowing with people that are on fire for God. I feel you would like that pastor on fire with the presence of the Holy Ghost again. Father, when you begin to pray like that, you turn around and you look in the mirror and you see a free person. You experience freedom because you have set the captive free. Don't imprison yourself with unforgiveness. You see, at the end of the day, this is why we have to be careful with how we speak and deal with churches. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, Jesus builds the church. The Bible says some, some sow and some water. It's the Lord who brings the increase. Man, you can get up here, man, you can, you can have T.D. Jakes up here every week preaching fire, but if God don't want it to grow, it ain't going to grow. But then you get a guy up here who's a pressure washer carpet cleaner. And if God wants it to grow, I can't screw it up. So many hands were lifted earlier that I want to close service like this. I want to pray for you that God will free you from pain. I just want to pray for you. So if you're here and you'd be honest with me, you say, Josh, I'm, I'm still harboring some resentment toward a church. Some of y'all could be fresh. Some of it could be years ago. I want to lend my faith to you. And let's join our faith and let's believe that you can leave that in the past and move forward and be free to move forward. Amen. For more information about Hope City Community Church, 
visit www.hopecitycc.com. Until next time.